the Film Guide with Max Hartington, part of the St Albans podcast with Danny Smith. Welcome along to another edition of the St Albans Film Guide, this time with the very capable uh, Max Hartington as, oh. as our Film Guide host. Person. Thank you very much. Thank you. Nicest thing you've ever said to me. Well, uh, yeah, okay. Um, but good to have you here, Max, of course. Uh, what we do with the Film Guide is, is the person who is acting as the guide on any given week, in this instance it's Max, uh, will choose uh, his choice, will have his choice of the best films on free-to-air TV for the week ahead. We'll also have uh, another entry in, in the section that we uh, have called Max's Action Films, where these are action films that take it to... The Max. Oh, that didn't work. Hang on, let's try that again. Where they take it to... The Max. Perfect. There we are, just there. Yeah, okay. Now uh, people know what it sounds like when I say my own name without it being uh, edited at all. But, but that like... is how you hear your, your own name any time that it's, you ever say it, isn't it? In your head, you hear it as... Max. In a way, it's sort of like every day is living in an action film. Yeah, okay. Last Action Hero? That's about me. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, Anyway, we'll have another entry in that uh, section that we're not going to mention again because I get fed up with doing the sound effect thingy. Um, (laughs) But that'll be coming up in a bit. Uh, Before that, let's look at new releases on the streaming services and in the cinema. Do you remember that? That's that big old room people used to sit in and watch movies together. So... Uh, where are we this time around, Max? Releasing this Friday in all in cinemas on the 15th of July, we have The Railway Children Return. Uh, this follows a group of children evacuated to a Yorkshire village during the Second World War, where they encounter a young soldier who, like them, is very far away from home. And, of course, you might know that this is actually a sequel to the original film, The Railway, uh, the Railway Children, uh, released in the 70s. Uh, it's a lot of the cast are returning, at least, to sort of... Uh, replay I, their roles. I believe almost none of them are returning. I think it's just one of them, but it's a big one. Would that be Jenny Agatha? That would be. Uh, Jenny Agatha returns in her role as one of the children who were evacuated to the country. So we, um, I mentioned this earlier, but I made the mistake of thinking the railway children, the original, uh, took place during the Second World War. You didn't mention it earlier. I did not mention it. No, no, because you listen to the podcast. There's no mention of it whatsoever. Oh, of course. But, uh, I mentioned it I mentioned it off recording that uh, I, I was under the impression that the railway children actually took place during around, you know, the First World War, Second World War. But it seems I was mistaken. The original were, were that's a bit of a tongue twister there, isn't it? The original railway children is set during the Edwardian era, right before World War One, when everyone uh, goes out to the countryside just to get away from their family. Uh, this one is set during World War Two. Okay, uh, and uh, yeah, it's uh, again you know Jenny Agatha returning to the role uh, that she uh, made famous from the original. Um, some interesting English uh, actors of note in in this one, though, including Sheridan Smith and uh, Tom Courtney, amongst others. John Bradley of Game of Thrones fame. Oh, which one was he? Uh, Samuel Tarley. Okay, yeah, the uh, intelligent guy up at the wall, the the one who who cured eczema. Is that him? Something along those lines. <laughs> Yeah, Th- that show was ahead of its time, set in a uh, an era millions of years ago, and also not in our world. Yeah, okay, uh, but yeah. So, so the original Railway Children was from uh, the movie was nineteen seventy, fifty two years ago, and Jenny Agatha's returning. Uh, but she was also in. So it was there was a, a TV miniseries two years before that in nineteen sixty eight where she played the same character, and so she she was in both. 
And she played a different role in the TV movie from 22 years ago of the Railway Children. Oh, she so, clearly really likes the, the, the story then, doesn't she? Well, it kind of made her famous. It made her, you know, it, 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 it propelled her to the spotlight. And clearly she's got quite a, a, an, an affinity to this and an affection for it. Um, but yeah, apparently as well, um, she's played the, the role, this character. Um, it says here, Agatha playing Roberta for the third time over 54 years breaks the world record for playing the same character over the longest period of time in a movie. Also, oh. the 52 year gap between her second and third time is a record for reprising a role. Um, Congratulations to her. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so that's that is quite quite interesting there. But uh, but yeah. So uh, I, I guess there'll be a lot of people who would feel um, sort of, uh, you know, would feel like a, a degree of nostalgia, perhaps, thinking yeah. that they remember this movie from their childhood. Well, I remember reading the book when I was a child as well. So I think it's, if it's got that familiarity, it's nice to sort of return to that world. Right. Which is, you know, our world, but... <laughs> Okay. Um, uh, by the way, I said about that record where she's returned to a character in the longest period of time between yes. it. The, it was previously held by an actor called Nick Castle, who played Michael Myers in the original Halloween really? film. Really? The original Michael Myers? Yeah. And then, and then he came back in... Um, That'd be Halloween in 2018, wouldn't it? Yes, yes. Ah. Um, so, uh, yeah, that, that, that was the person who held the record before Talk that. about a battle of the titans. <laughs> Jenny Agatha and Michael Myers. <laughs> yes. Anyway, so that's The Railway Children, which is out on the 15th of July. The Railway Children Return. Railway, railway, railway Children Returns. Yeah. There was, I was at a quiz, actually, the other day, and, they, and it was because this had been in the news because they had the premiere the yeah. other week. And, and it was, uh, what is the name of the sequel to The Railway Children that's, that's just being released? And somebody wanted half for saying Railway Children 2. <laughs> But the railway children return was surely a reasonably good guess if you didn't know. Two railway, two railway, two children. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> railway children strike back. I don't know. Return of yeah. Anyway, we, we can spitball a couple. We can sell the the three call. We can sell off to the studio. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll do that during the break, and we'll be back in a minute. Hi, I'm Matt Adams, the heart of the Hearts Advertiser for over ten years. Join me and host Danny Smith for St Albans Podcast. A weekly look at the news, views and reviews of the city and district of St Albans. As well as our delve into the local stories that matter, we regularly cover topics including health, food and drink, legal matters, the theatre scene and mental health. Alongside our regular features, we talk to people from our wonderful community, sharing some of the amazing work they do. Episodes are released every Wednesday at 7pm and you can find us by going to your podcast platform of choice and searching for the St Albans Podcast. Find out more at stalbanspodcast.com. We're back with more Max as uh, we enter the second part of this week's film guide where we look at uh, the uh, original movies that are coming out on streaming services. And uh, we have two, one from Netflix, one from Prime Video. Where do you want to start? We'll start off with Netflix. Uh, coming out this Friday, Netflix is releasing Persuasion, uh, an adaptation of the, uh, the Jane Austen novel. Uh, this tells the story of eight years after Anne Elliot was persuaded not to marry a dashing man of humble origins. They meet again. Will she seize her second chance at true love? Mm. So this is out on the 15th of uh, July as well. Uh, And um, yeah, this is an up and coming uh, writer, isn't it? (laughs) This Jane Austen, yeah, she's had a couple of underground novels, but uh, she's not really well known yet. Right. And of course, this doesn't definitely fit her repertoire of uh, banter involving a a woman who's not too sure she wants to get married yet or not. 
Okay. Um, so uh, tell us who's in it. Uh, so in terms of a cast, it's very, very British Titans. Uh, Rich D. Grant, of course, you might know. Uh, and Dakota Johnson starring as, uh, as Anne Elliot herself, the sort of uh, the main character. Okay. So you say very British cast, and the second person you, you mentioned to back that up isn't, isn't British. I was just thinking that Richard E. Grant carried it as being very British. He, he alone, <laughs> he's so British. He's so British, he carries it across to everybody else. We've got a few other people as well. Uh, ben Bailey Smith, Henry Golding, Yolanda Kettle. Uh, ben Bailey Smith, you might know, as a, he's sort of a, on the UK comedy like UK comedy circuit so okay. he's uh, he's taken on a sort of side role as a, a funny character in this right okay I love how you're 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 in a great British cast you keep mentioning people who aren't British in the main <laughs> so Henry Golding not British um, but but Ben Bailey Smith is British yes yeah. okay uh, there, there you go then I, I, I won't pick on you anymore you got that right thank you very much uh, yeah so this um, it pretty much just seems to be a case of very sort of dry in the style of Jane Austen uh, dry humour just dealing with these sort of uh, this decision between who should who should uh, Anne pursue, who's the which suitor suits her best. Okay, oh there you go. That's just tongue twister in itself, isn't it? I'm really testing myself today. After the railway children return, you're you're, you're happy that you've now got that, are you? <laughs> I said I'd bring that one back just to just to prove I can still do it. Okay, so yeah, so this is this is a big screen um, adaptation of of a story that has been done before, um, and uh, I think most recently was back in uh, 2007 yeah. um, where it was a TV uh, movie, a BBC adaptation yeah. uh, and also this, now this is a bit of a, a stretch here but it's linked to the last film the BBC one from 2007 in that it had another star of Spooks as one of the main actors in it ah. so uh, Jenny Agata who we mentioned from, from the film Railway Children Return. Uh, she uh, was uh, also uh, one of the main characters in Spooks for a little while. Yes. Uh, and uh, as was, uh, and I've now forgotten his name already, um, the, the Rupert uh, Penry-Jones. Rupert Penry-Jones. Yeah. Who, uh, yeah, Rupert Penry-Jones. Sorry, his name had vanished off my screen there. Ah. Uh, who, who was one of the stars of Spooks for a number of years. Uh, and uh, he was the star of Persuasion, the TV version. That's what we do. We just find connections on this podcast and we make it all work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It all comes together, doesn't it? In Brilliant. A, in, a, in a way. But, uh, okay, so... Yeah, if you're looking for a bit of a period drama with a bit of uh, dry comedy in it, then look no further than Netflix this Friday. Okay, yeah. So I guess appeal to all you know, Jane Austen fans and fans of, you know, a bit of Doily and Downton Abbey, that sort of thing. Yeah, if you, if you want to, you know, see the sets and, uh, you know, look at those sort of uh, old, ye old buildings, and this is the this is the film for you. Bask in the sumptuousness of the movie's uh, dressing. This is the wordiest film podcast we've ever done. Yeah, I know, it's good, isn't it? <laughs> okay, so that's uh, Persuasion. Uh, you have persuaded me to watch it. <laughs> Sorry. Don't laugh, Max, you're encouraging. Oh, anyway, uh, let's move over to Prime Video, though, because they also have a new release uh, that oh. you want to talk about. Don't let me go. Don't make me go. Don't make me go. Uh, when a single father... Uh, when a- <clears throat> When a single father learns that he has a fatal brain tumour, he takes his teenage daughter on a road trip to an old high school reunion so that he can sort of uh, try and get her to connect to her old mother figure and learn something about each other along the way. Uh, John Cho stars as the father himself. Mia Isaac stars as his daughter. We've got a few other people starring in this one. K.S. Caldero, who's made a few appearances in more recent films you might know from the Maze Runner series. Okay. Uh, so John Cho is the, the, the main actor. People might recognise him. They may not necessarily recognise his name, but where would they know him from? Well, you might know him from his... Most recently, he's, you might know him as Mr. Sulu in the most recent Star Trek films. Recommended last time I was on the, the film podcast as well. Okay, so these are the new cinematic Star Trek movies, J.J. Abrams ones, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's also, most recently, people might know him from Searching as well, which is quite a popular, sort of more, more unknown one mm. that uh, the, was... Uh, basically it retold the story of a father again maybe some connections a father trying to find his daughter but retold via video cameras and messages and other things so 
Okay. Making it was a sort of indie film project, but it made the most of it by having everything recorded uh, in the most simple way possible. And of course, the 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 Shakespearean classic uh, Harold and Kumar get the munchies, wasn't it? <laughs> wasn't isn't he Harold? <laughs> Also done by Jane Austen as well. You might not know. Is, is that right? Yeah, oh, Jane, Jane Austen original. Jane Austen. <laughs> I got that wrong. Yeah. So he he he's Harold in the in the Harold and um, Kumar franchise. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, I, I was. Um, I often think as well. One of the most surprising things about John Cho, if you saw the Star Trek movies, it, they introduce this young cast, uh, and and it's all the 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 characters you know from the original Star yeah. Trek. And it's them starting out, how they got together, and and they're very young. And, and you've got John Cho; they're playing a very young Mister Zulu. Sulu. He is, I think, one of the oldest members of the cast. You wouldn't think it, no. Would you? And the actor is now fifty. Yeah, and yet he looks incredibly young. It's it's a bit ridiculous. Yeah, you know, seeing him in this film, playing playing the single dad, and knowing that he's, you know. I mean, in, he's in, looking good for fifty. In the Harold and Kumar films, he's basically playing what, like a a, a guy in his late teens and a bit of a stoner. Yeah, and and it, he was in his thirties, I think, when he made that. If you put them side to side, he's probably not going to look much different, honestly. So good on him. Yeah, yeah, the great ad, um, great advertisement there for sort of skincare products. I'm sure. <laughs> anyway, that's uh, that's the film that uh, is starring John Cho, and it seems like a, a sort of feel good comedy road trip film. Okay, but I, I'm excited for it. Good to know. Um, and that's uh, Don't Make Me Go, which is out on um, Prime Video on the 15th of July. Hi, I'm Elspeth Jackman, inviting you to listen to my podcast One to One with Elspeth. Find a local person with a story and I'll be there to draw out all those little details you want to know about. If I'm fascinated, so will you be. Each week I'll be talking to an interesting character who has a tale to tell. And the beauty of it is you can listen whenever you want to. To find the podcast, go to your podcasting platform of choice and search for the St. Albans Podcast. Alternatively, go to stalbanspodcast.com slash Elspeth. That's One to One with Elspeth, part of the St. Albans podcast in association with the Hearts Advertiser. You never know, you could be my next guest. We've reached that point in the show where we have uh, another action film for uh, Max's action films section, where uh, these are films that take it to the max. Yeah. Gets better every single time. And I'm practically, I'm, I'm either shaking with adrenaline or caffeine today. I'm so excited about this one. Could be an element of both, couldn't it? <laughs> live it of both. Oh. I like to live life on the edge. Like, you know, like I said, my life's an action film and I'm constantly caffeinated to, uh, to, <laughs> to make the most of that. Wonderful. So, uh, yeah, go for it. Um, what, what film are we looking at this time around? Our Give film us- today has a bit of a, I think, a unique award so far. And I think it's probably the most well choreographed action film that we put on the film uh, on the uh, the action films so far. This is The Raid from 2011. A SWAT team becomes trapped in a tenement run by a ruthless mobster and his army of killers and thugs. If that doesn't sell you on it, here's the tagline, that which has got me smiling right now. One ruthless crime lord, 20 elite cops, 30 floors of hell it is it's it's a breathtaking movie isn't it this is a a korean film it is it's korean yes yeah directed by a welshman yeah a welshman (laughs) which yeah you know not not an obvious thing that goes together yeah perfect combination really but no this film is just uh from the get-go it's 
it's really good at the start you've got this tension building up as we have this SWAT team getting into this building and then as soon as they get locked inside the building pretty much the fists start flying people get launched across hallways um there are some really some really excellent just fight scenes where i think there's a hallway fight scene that goes on for something like 15 minutes uh and you just sit there and you just watch every single person get thrown in the doors thrown around it is just brilliant and the whole time it is you you're just on the edge of your seat Mm. yeah uh, now when when this film first came out when i first became aware of it i wasn't particularly drawn to it i, I kind of th- i love no. an action film but it looked like it was just you know 90 minutes of of just violence it, it does just look like with, a straight with, with no real story yeah. and and then for some reason and i cannot remember now why but i watched it there was something I, it might have been back in the days when you used to get dvds sent through the post and it might have been <laughs> one that was sent to me and i thought well i might as well watch it now i've got it here yeah. and i was quite drawn i mean it is incredibly violent it is oh, violent yeah. from from the first scene to the last you, you were partially correct on your first assumption yeah <laughs> yeah there is no real let up at all but it's done in such a way that yeah. it is quite i mean really it is ridiculous to think that this one bloke can single-handedly defeat this whole building full of crazed violent wrong-uns swinging machetes around and shotguns and all sorts of stuff yeah. yeah and he is somehow impervious to bullets and pain and all sorts and he just keeps going and he's felt- a bit like the korean tom cruise in a way <laughs> but it felt to me as well like a video game yeah where each level of the video you know and you see you've you got your protagonist and you're fighting your way through the level you get to the end of the level you go up to the next level and yeah. then you're fighting through that lot and then and in each one there's like a like a boss at the end of it and and you've got to try and beat them and then get to the next one you could definitely see it i think in terms of this whole progression of making your way up the building like it i wouldn't be surprised if that was a big inspiration for gareth, gareth evans considering his sort of uh his track record he does seem a bit uh bit of a nerd really yeah but but, but this is a, a, a a cracking little movie you know yeah. it, it was a low budget korean film uh it's it's subtitled there's not or not there's a lot of dialogue in it no really. no um but your subtitles might say somebody screaming yeah. sound of bones breaking that yeah, sort yeah, of yeah 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 there's not a lot to it <laughs> but uh, but it is so good it is it's a- really good. i think one of the really big things that stands out to me is the creativity in the fight scenes as well like it's like you said it, it doesn't seem like it has a particularly massive budget but it's just all it really needs is some hallways and some living rooms and then you know finding a situation there's a fight where people fight with um you know uh uh, electric light bulbs mm. of course that, that you know they just make the most of the resources they have and they just sort of uh throw you into it yeah and and also it's um one of the things that i think some people who who object to violence in movies and and question why other people enjoy it yeah. that there isn't there is something about the 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 sort of almost dance-like quality of it, the way the yeah. choreography, the way the moves and, and, and things, which, you know, in other forms, people would appreciate without questioning, you know, yeah. in, in some sort of ballet or, or other sort of dance performance, you'd think, you wouldn't think anything of it. But when it when it's done in a, in a way with like martial arts movies, for example, you yeah. some people think, yeah, but you're just, you're just enjoying all the violence. You think, well, it's really, it's like the, it is the performance movement, isn't it? It's the experience and the thought that goes into it. It's the, it's the fact that, I mean, I can't, I can't even begin to imagine how the choreography for these, these action scenes must have taken weeks of effort. Yeah. And you hear bits and pieces, but I know that a lot of the cast for the raid went on to star in one of the Star Wars films as well. And there was this big sort of shock about how a lot of the stunt people were sort of a, a bit surprised by the, the effort these guys were put in for a chase scene. Yeah, I mean the, the, the and and the director did such a good job with with um, with this movie. It, it spawned a sequel as well, didn't it? The Raid Two, yeah, which I'm sure will make a reappearance here as well. I mean, if you want to, if you're like me, you might just fuse them into one giant The Raid film, which is 
three hours of just uh, pure intensity. Because it kind of is, isn't it? Because it, isn't it like a very short time after the first one? And then I think it's set almost, it's, it's set minutes after the original raid. And yeah. Then, uh, it, they just jump straight in a car and they just go straight to fighting more people in the raid too. Yeah, you know because you know why wouldn't you yeah the raid 2 also really fantastic it definitely feels like this is the one that sort of proved that they could do it and the raid 2 they gave them a bit of a bit of a bigger budget for it okay uh but that's the raid that's the original film from 2011 so from nine years ago now uh, and that is the choice this time around for max's uh, action films where these action films take it to the max perfect the Film Guide with Max Hartington, part of the Sonobras podcast with Danny Smith. Time to take a look at uh, Max's top choices for films on free to air TV for um, this forthcoming week, starting with uh, Friday the 15th of July. Uh, ITV1 at 10.45pm. No, this isn't still Max's action films. No, we've moved on. But you may not think that because it's Die Hard 2. It just bleeds on, doesn't it? Die Harder, I believe, was the Die subtitle. Die Hard 2, Die Harder. Uh, yeah. Or Die Harder, uh, Die Harder at an Airport, as it's also been called as well. <laughs> In this sequel to the original film, uh, John McClane attempts to avert disaster as a rogue military operative seizes control of Dole's International Airport in Washington, D.C. And there's only one thing you can do about it. He has to, get every- he has to you know, cause some explosions and free everyone. Yeah. Um, now, I wasn't a big... I wasn't a big fan of this one. Really? Although I rewatched it recently and it was better than I remembered. That's it. It's better than you remember. But I felt that the first one, you had one of the great things of it was this very claustrophobic feeling that you were trapped in a building and you know, it's just one setting really and 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 this and it ha- it kind of evoked all those sorts of 70s disaster movies and yeah. um and 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 th- whereas this one it was I don't know, you didn't have that same sense of, of claustrophobia because it was in an airport. It was yeah. massive and, you know, it was on airplanes and it was all a little bit silly. And it does feel like it's the sort of the jump the series was making that gave us, uh, you know, Die Hard, Die Hard 5, let's say. But um, I, I'd still really like this one, honestly. It's, I will admit, it, it's not quite Die Hard 1, but I still think it still, I think it's just the fact that the character of John McClane, it's, it's still enjoyable to see him in these situations. Yeah, and um, now what people don't realise as well is that, so Die Hard was based on a book, and the book it was based on, uh, it was the second book featuring the same character, Hmm. and the first one had been made into a movie as well with Frank Sinatra playing the John McClane character. I did not know But he was that. not called John McClane in the movie. They changed the name of the Frank Sinatra one. And uh, in the second one, the, the, the book was actually fairly close to the movie. Or the movie was fairly close to the book. Uh, but, but the main change was that he was an older character and it was, wasn't going to see his wife in the, in the building on Christmas Eve. It was his daughter. Ah. Um, and, so, and, and it would seem when, this, when Die Hard was first being developed, it was with a view to Frank Sinatra doing it again. Uh, and and then it didn't and yeah I do want it'd be interesting seeing how the film would look with Frank Sinatra instead of uh, Bruce Willis wouldn't it I don't know whether he could pull off the vest <laughs> it would be interesting to see but um, this one's got some really good action scenes you know they have the, the thing you always think about is if you're going to have a shootout at an airport how can you involve the uh, the luggage trolley and that does get involved as well yeah um, it, so it was based on a uh, book um, that was called uh, 58 Minutes uh, which was which formed the basis of Die Hard Two, but Fifty Eight Minutes wasn't by the guy who wrote 
the first book. So the, the, the first film was based on a book called Nothing Lasts Forever, and it was by Roderick Thorpe, mm. and that became Die Hard. But the, the second one, and so it had nothing to do with the first one at all, but it was just about a police officer who must stop terrorists yeah. who take over an airport while his daughter's plane circles overhead, and he has 58 minutes to do so before the plane crashes. That was the book on which ah. Die Hard 2 was based. This film is a bit longer than 58 minutes. I will, I will warn people that. Yeah. Um, but it's often the case, particularly with sequels to movies, that they will take other um, existing works, so books, and they will just insert the character that they want to be in the sequel. So well, that's Under, what happened Under with Siege lo- was done that way. Yeah, I think a lot of Die Hard had that. I'm sure remember that. I think I want to say that Die Hard 5 was the first original screenplay written for a Die Hard film. Right, and that previously it had been a case of they had an idea or a script and they would adapt it, and that would become another Die Hard. Okay, but but not just Die Hard, like action movies in general, and particularly when they develop sequels, yeah. they would just find other. So I think both the Under Siege movies were, were, were originally other books that got adapted, and I think at one point both of them were going to be Die Hard sequels, and then they got changed along the way. Ah. Uh, and uh, Speed, I think, at one point was going to be a Die Hard movie, and then it didn't happen. And you know, the, the so, so you know, they'll, often they'll take a book and then they'll just think oh yeah but you know we need a sequel for for an existing franchise we'll just change the character to to (laughs) our hero and then make it that story instead you know john mcclain hasn't been to an airport so let's just put him in there yeah yeah but it's all on christmas eve again as well which was sort of couple of unfortunate Christmases in a row. In a row. Well, the, and he, he sort of says that at one point. You know, how, how can this happen to me twice? You He's know? a little self-aware, isn't he? A little bit. But uh, but no, it is a, it's it's not a bad movie. I'll give you that. It's good. Yeah. Also, the ice, the, uh, the icicle scene as well. Anyone who has seen it will know. Anyone who's not seen it, who now is going to go see it, watch out for the icicle. Okay, we can only imagine that that gets impaled somewhere that <laughs> doesn't sound pleasant. Anyway, uh, Friday the 15th of July, ITV1, 10.45pm, Die Hard 2, Die Harder. We move to Saturday the 16th of July, ITV2 at 6.45pm, something far more family-friendly, School of Rock. School of Rock. Uh, after being kicked out of his rock band, Dewey Finn becomes a substitute teacher, teacher of an uptight elementary private school, only to try and turn his class into a rock band. Now, w- when I saw this film advertised, I thought it was a very different film to the one I ended up watching. And it had I realised that it was kind of like a family film and it was, a you know, the kids were kind of the stars with Jack Black alongside yeah. them, I would have given it such a wide berth. Yeah. But I kind of thought it was a bit more of an adult comedy with Jack Black in it and then was very pleasantly surprised yeah. by it. It's a nice balance. I think that the... the- the child actors in this film really can sort of hold their own against uh, Jack Black. I think especially there's, um, yeah, especially a lot of the a lot of the students are sort of able to have this sort of background. Miranda Cosgrove, who if you're if you're my age, you would know her from starring, you know, Drake and Josh as the sister in Drake and Josh. Okay, you might uh, need to say to the listener what age you are because they wouldn't know otherwise, and you're saying if, my age. If you're in your mid twenties, like I am at the moment, and you used to watch uh, Nickelodeon, you would recognise uh, Miranda Cosgrove as the sister from J- uh, Drake and Josh. She in particular, she's the very sassy, sort of snarky one who goes up against a. Uh, Jack Black in this film but I mean all of the class sort of they have this really good repertoire but you can imagine that um, Jack Black is the sort of actor who can, he can get along with a classroom of kids and bring the best out of them <laughs> yeah and, and you know his his um, you know the, the, his chemistry with the kids is is really good as well it's one of the things that makes the movie work so well the the kids are great you know in in their characters uh that are very well performed and uh yeah Yeah. it's good and it's and it is quite family friendly it it works well the kids will like it um grown-ups will like it there's enough jokes in there that that adults will enjoy it as well yeah uh directed by richard link later as well who's got a few 
successes under him. Very different from his other films. If you look at Boyhood and The Scanner Darkly, which are both sort of uh, far more sort of tense. But it's like it's like you said about this whole this idea. The film initially might seem more of an adult comedy, but in reality. Yeah, yeah, it, it isn't, and and um, yeah, it, it's very good. There was also a, um, a a documentary sort of reality show that this spawned on Channel Four, uh, where they got the the frontman from the the rock band Kiss, Gene Simmons, to go into a school in the UK and to try to create a rock band from the kids there. I didn't know about that, and uh, and it was quite good. But the, one of the kids that was a breakout from it, who had a very minor amount of chart success off the back of that show, died mm. sadly. Oh. Um, but uh, but yeah, there was a, there was a real life sort of documentary series that was in some way inspired by this fictional movie. So that's uh, School of Rock from 2003. And Perfect Saturday afternoon view in there. Yeah, okay. ITV 2, 6.45pm, Saturday the 16th of July. So let's move to Sunday the 17th of July. BBC One at 10.30pm, Blade Runner 2049. We've what got- if you've not seen the other 2048? Well, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that is a cheap does, joke. That's such a cheap joke. Doesn't matter. No. <laughs> you know what? I think you can go into this one. Well, I, I did. You might have to need to have seen at least one Blade Runner before this one, but that one's just Blade Runner. There's no uh, 2046, 20, right. 2022, or anything in front of that one. But before you go on to say why, there are several Blade Runners before this one. Because the, the original Blade Runner movie has been released in different formats and versions so many times with different endings and different plot points. So, so many cuts. Which one does this follow up on? This one, I mean, uh, it, I personally can't... I believe it would be the director's cut, ideally, that this one follows up, follows up from. But again, I can't remember how many director's cuts there are. Well, the, I'm sure there's a list of, of how many... Yeah. There is one specific one that I know that I know it it's, it will take inspiration from, but I can't don't have it handy unfortunately. Well, tell us about it, but and I'll try and look this up. Blade Runner twenty forty nine tells the story of a young Blade Runner, uh, an android named K, and his discovery of long buried secrets leading him to track down uh, the past memories of, of uh, another individual that, uh, within his head. Uh, he has to look for Rick Deckard, of course, played by Harrison Ford, who's been missing for thirty years. Uh, this film is is art. That's that's a pretty pretty upfront, you know, like a uh, directed by my good friend Dennis Villeneuve as well, whose name I've uh, probably just butchered again for a, a, an eighth time on this uh, podcast. No, I think you said that about right, Denny Villeneuve. Denny Villeneuve, yeah, yeah. perfect. Denny, uh, if you are listening this time, I've, I've finally got the hang of it. You'd be glad to know. But no, this film is just is gorgeous to look at. It's um, it sounds amazing. All all the actors give an absolutely stellar performance as well. You've got Harrison Ford, really. I think initially when this film was coming out, there was a lot of belief that because Harrison Ford was seen on set wearing a T-shirt and trousers, some people thought he was just sort of going to phone it in. But it's uh, it's that thing of he he really gives it a good, a good go in this one. But it's that you know if he's tired, it's not um, it's not Han Solo, so he's not quite. <laughs> there, there was after he did the fourth Indiana Jones movie, there, there was a, I remember a sort of a, a comedic headline from one of the um, sort of various online spoof news outlets that said something like uh, Harrison Ford is quoted as saying I won't rest until I've ruined every one of my <laughs> franchises um, but then he went on to do a rather rather good turn in, in the Star Wars movie that he yeah. did and also he was quite acclaimed for this and people are very excited about his forthcoming Indiana Jones movie I think he's a big fan of Indy isn't he so we'll give it his all but he did a really good job in this and especially I think Ryan Gosling does a really good job I put a bit of a man crush on Ryan Gosling but Ryan Gosling does a really fantastic job along with Harrison Ford in this leading this Anna Diarmas of course plays a really fascinating role as she plays a sort of um, holographic assistant to Ryan Gosling who there's there's a lot more going on there and all these questions about sentience and all sorts of things tied into the original uh, Philip K. Dick novel 
Okay. There's a lot going on. So according to an interview with the uh, director, Denis Villeneuve, uh, he, he doesn't quite acknowledge which version of Blade Runner he this sequel is to, but he says that he grew up on the original um, theatrical, theatrical version. Cut. But But subsequently, uh, Ridley Scott has condemned that version. And then there was a director's cut in the 90s, which apparently um, he wasn't involved with, even <laughs> though he's the director. But then there was a final cut that he made in 2007. So according to Ridley Scott, the 2007 version of Blade Runner is is the definitive one. But I think if you've got a version that you count as a genuine one, you can give this a watch anyway and just see if it see if it aligns. Yeah, apparently it kind of fits with whichever version you you wanted yeah. to. But did you know that there is a sequel to this coming out called Blade Runner twenty ninety nine? No, I had no idea. Which apparently you haven't is just made like, that up, have you? By no, throwing some numbers on a calculator? Um, no, it, it was announced earlier this year uh, that Amazon Studios are behind it, and it's going to be a live action series that is going to be yeah, it's going to be a series not a movie okay uh but yeah 50 episodes i hope so that's between 2049 and 2099 uh well yeah yeah quite <laughs> quite possibly but anyway the 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 very visually stunning uh, and acclaimed sequel to the classic blade runner is the movie of choice for sunday the uh 17th of july 10 30 p.m on bbc one blade runner 2049 Let's move to Monday, the 18th of July, ITV4 at 10.45pm, Fury. April 1945, as the Allies make their final push in the European theatre, a battle-hardened army sergeant named War Daddy commands a Sherman tank and his five-man crew on a deadly mission behind enemy lines. Uh, This is another really brilliant one, Uh, pretty much a film that makes you feel like you're in a tank, uh, the way this one works. Uh, Brad Pitt stars as the the, the head commander of uh, War Daddy himself, if you will, the man in charge of this tank. You've got a really great cast. You've got Sheila Booth, Logan Lerman, Michael Pena and John Bernthal was this team uh, and it's really I mean this one's just really intense um, it's really it's uh, directed by David Ayer who has done lots of I think he's known for oh, it's uh, it's going to really annoy me now um, Training Day with uh, Denzel Washington and Ethan Hawke okay but uh, he really knows how to, to show these sort of uh, intense he, he didn't do Training Day that's my no he did do Training Day uh, th- he, he didn't Correct direct myself. it maybe he wrote it I think he had involvement with Training Day but uh, David Ayat really tells this really intense story about these um, these men who basically just have to travel for Europe of course it is it's really bleak I mean it's it's another one of the it's a war film it's going to be it's really grey but you you know you learn about these characters you get these experiences and it's sort of while they're trailing through Europe you see this sort of picture of all the damage the war does not just to uh, you know the landscapes but you see the people in the villages how it affects them and how it uh, affects the soldiers itself you know there's that thing about um they say the worst thing that can ever happen in a war is that uh, uh american people will make a move about how sad it made their soldiers a couple of years after but that pretty much sums this one up okay but yeah so that, going back to what you said earlier uh, david ayer is uh, the writer of the film training day ah. uh, and also he wrote the fast and the furious uh, and and he's done a couple of other movies and then directing uh, suicide squad from 2016 was one of his but uh, Fury is your, your choice. Brad Pitt in World War II epic action, 10.45pm on Monday the 18th of July on ITV4. Let's move to Tuesday the 19th of uh, July. Great movies at 9pm, faster. An ex-con gets on a series of apparently un- gets caught on a series of apparently unrelated killings, but he's tracked by a veteran cop with secrets of his own and an egocentric hitman. Uh, Dwayne Johnson stars as the ex-con himself, who's pretty much doing a, a tour of America and supposedly just gunning down uh, completely unrelated people. But it turns out, bit by bit, there's a conspiracy tying them all together. Oh, I hate it when that happens. Don't yeah. you? <laughs> no, this film is really fantastic, really, really tense. Uh, Dwayne, you know, Dwayne sort of 
not quite playing to, to, to his current typecast. He's playing a very sort of grizzled, grizzled sort of, uh, ex, like, you know, uh, ex-con. But he doesn't have that sort of, that sheen or sense of humour. There's a real grit to him in this film because he's just got out. Would you call him maybe like an, a bit of an anti-hero in this? Because, anti-hero, Because he's not really a good guy, but he's the least of the bad guys. Yeah, exactly that. And Because all of them are bad, you know, and, and yet he's the, the one, and you are rooting for him because he's, yeah. he's been wronged. And he's out to to sort that out. Exactly. He's out. He's out to wrong some rights, right yeah. some wrongs even. Yeah. Um, and Billy Bob Thornton stars as the man tracking him down as well. Really, again, like it's like you said, no one's really you know trustworthy in this one. But Billy Bob is also playing a bit of an edgy cop who's who's trying to do his best. Uh, there's one particular scene that I love in this film where uh, Dwayne is at the end of a hallway and he's you know marching his way down there, and someone's trying to shoot him and missing every single shot. And you think, how are you missing Dwayne Johnson in a hallway? Like, he's his shoulders are touching both ends. Yeah, um, you've got in there as well Tom Berenger, uh, you know, great actor from 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 many movies, particularly in the '80s. Uh, I think Platoon was one of his big ones, and mm. and he's in there as well. But but you know, it's a really good film and and. And it's not a big budget movie. It, it, this no. was this was back, I guess, when Dwayne Johnson was just making his breakthrough to, to movies, but he, he wasn't quite the superstar that he subsequently became. Uh, but uh, but yeah, he's uh, he's really really good in this, and yeah. it's it's an opportunity for him to show a, a darker side to his nature. Uh, that's uh, faster, which uh, from 2010, and that is uh, Tuesday the 19th of July. Great movies, 9 p.m. Wednesday the 20th on BBC Three, because that's back now, uh, 10 p.m., The Conjuring 2. Ed and Lorraine Warren, the uh, paranormal experts, travel to North London to help a single mother raising four children alone in a house played by a supernatural spirit. We've had a real sort of varied mix, I think, this week. I mean, but bar my, my standard of a couple of action films, throwing a horror film in there is always nice as well. But this is, of course, the sequel to the original Conjuring film from 2010. Uh, really brilliant this one was. I think it was a couple of years, but... Um, tying in the sort of the stories of the UK UK hauntings, it's very, very based in the real world. Dealing with this sort of um, horror situation, yeah. So, so with the Conjuring movies, that they are based on uh, real life people. So, yeah. Ed and Lorraine Warren, who are the main couple, Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga, uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren were real life people. I think Lorraine yeah. Warren's still alive, um, and and they were involved with some high, um, you know, sort of very high interest. Um, sort of stories that were in the news at the time um the amateurville horror which people yeah. of a certain age would re- would maybe remember the story and then remember the movie subsequently uh, but that was ed and lorraine warren were were the ones investigating yeah. that and, um, and this one's tied to a, a real real life case as well uh, the enfield hauntings from yeah. 1977 yeah, yeah. and the, and they and the, these characters came over to the uk in the 70s to look into this story yeah. as well now undoubtedly a lot's going to be done with the facts of this. It's not a documentary. Yes, yeah, it's um, not not based in the real world. But but I found because the Conjuring now is quite the franchise, isn't it? Yeah, There's it's a lot really, of movies. It's got legs now. But I found that the main Conjuring movies I've really enjoyed. The ones with Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson. The the sort of the the spin-off movies I've not enjoyed so. They're much. a bit questionable, no. But these ones here, I think it's a case of you know the studio knows that the, the Conjuring title will have a sort of tie to it that people will come and see it but they really save all of the effort for these ones um, Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga of course don't always star in the spin-offs but they always make a point of being in these ones uh, they put in a really really great performance and I think everyone else in this one especially the, chil- the child actors in this one considering they're the ones much like the first one they're the ones who are of course classic horror horror film trope isn't it the kids are always the ones who see the ghost first and there's um all these interesting ways they see them there's a lot of mirrors where they can see a ghost reflected someone stood behind somebody 
yeah so this is um yeah so it's it is using some of those old tricks that, yeah. that can sometimes be a little bit tiring in, in in horror movies but but i think the fact that it's got quite a good you know top cast there vera yeah. farmiger and patrick wilson do elevate this somewhat yeah. uh and and yeah the original story was in the press at the time and, and it was known as the enfield haunting and it's been used as a basis for various tv things over yeah. the years uh but uh but yes this was the the conjuring two, and then there was another sequel to this the conjuring the devil made me do it uh and um that one is and then i think there's the annabelle series as well there's the annabelle is, series there was the nun as well the which nun, i think was all yeah, from the conjuring the universe. nun who makes an appearance in appearance in this film as well yeah um and i think i read somewhere that there is talk of another main conjuring movie which will look at the amateurville story Ooh. because that's probably their most famous case yeah uh, and uh yeah, it, it, it is interesting. It's also interesting sometimes to watch real-life documentaries that, that then go and debunk most of the movie and, <laughs> and, and things. But nonetheless, it's a bit of escapism. It's yeah. a bit of fun. If you like your, like horror, then then you can't go far wrong than, than The Conjuring movies. So that's The Conjuring 2, Wednesday, the 20th of July, BBC Three at 10pm. And then we move to Thursday, the 21st of July, film for 6.45pm, Zathura, A no- Space Adventure. Another family film here for you. Two young brothers are drawn into an intergalactic adventure when their house is hurled through the depths of space by the magic board game they are playing. If you've ever seen Jumanji, this is Jumanji but in space. But I remember seeing this one when I was younger, so maybe there's a bit of nostalgia tied to it. Okay. But uh, this... this the sense of wonder in this one is really uh, something else. Like seeing the house float, flown into space by this board game. Um, it's just really uh, exciting. Okay. Um, and I'm quite interested by who directed it. Yeah. The director himself. Oh, the director is John Favreau, who, of course, you might know. <laughs> you might know John Favreau for his current run of The Mandalorian. Uh, Iron Man, he's... he's you know, he's sort of got a grip on the, the pop culture zeitgeist at the moment. Yeah, and, and wasn't he Monica's boyfriend in Friends for a while? Yeah, he was a cage fighter as well in that Yeah, one. yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, John, John Favreau. Yeah. Uh, I think you can see his, his touches in this. Like, there's this real blend of special effects. And, like, I mean, the story itself is just so exciting. He has become quite the director. Uh, he also did um, the, the live-action adaptation of The Jungle Book for Disney. Ah. Uh, that, that was him. Uh, and he, he balances it well. He balances his sort of, you know, his more fan-related action films, his family films yeah. at the same time. And he plays is it happy hogan yeah. on screen in the in the marvel movies as well as having directed um at least one of those yeah so uh he's so, got yeah. himself in there as well yeah but uh, but okay so this is so this is basically jumanji in space you're saying jumanji in space yeah but it's it, it's also a really nice story about you know family and the importance so joss joss hutcherson plays the sort of older brother along with uh jonah bobo plays his younger younger brother uh you've got dax shepherd makes an appearance in this one as uh the astronaut who crashes through the living room who is really funny and Kristen stewart as well who i think this is one of her earlier roles before she went on to do the famous or rather infamous twilight films okay but uh yeah it's, it's really again because it's quite a small cast because of course you've you know you're thrown into space and you're trapped in a house in space but everyone they all do quite quite a good job with this one and you've also got really good special effects uh some giant alien lizards turn up at some point and i remember being terrified of them when this film first came out and by the looks of it the special effects do still look really good to this day okay well that's that's a good um a good recommendation then that's um that's zathura a space adventure from 2005 which is max's final choice of the week that's on uh, film for thursday the 21st of july at 6 45 p.m 
Max, if you had to choose one of those movies as your film of the week, which one would it be? I was really close to picking Die Hard 2 just to see how you would react to that. But I'm going to go with Blade Runner 2049. Okay. Just because it's, I mean, even even watching that on a, on a screen, it's still visually going to look amazing. And it is just something else. It's really out of this world, which Zathura, of course, also is, but... Yeah, that is literally out of this that's world. Right. <laughs> okay, that's uh, those are your choices. Uh, if you want to f- uh, see the films that Max has recommended, if you want to see when they're on, then look in the notes of this episode uh, right now. You can see it in the podcast notes. You can see the the films, the the time, the channels, and. Um, if you can't see it in there, if you're listening to this on another platform, then look on our website, stalbanspodcast.com. Uh, Max, thanks very much. And next week, it's the return of producer Sam in the hot seat for the film guide. Uh, we hope to catch you then. Take see care. You soon. <laughs>